Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, and we're keeping score at a time where international sports clearly couldn't get any bigger. So let's get right to it with the deal-making issues of the week, three to one. First, golf takes number three spot, Top Golf to be specific, the IPO that they're talking about, $4 billion. People familiar with the matter say, Dallas-based company, reportedly working with banks including Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, and Bank of America. Its IPO could come as soon as this year. The company's driving ranges bring the spirit of a bowling alley to the golf course, have bays that can accommodate up to six players who can track their balls electronically while ordering food and drink. Some venues feature rooftop bars, restaurants, shops, pools, concert halls. The company has locations in the U.S., U.K., and Australia, others opening soon in Canada, Mexico, and the UAE. The company's backers also have included Callaway, which acquired a minority stake with other investors in a deal completed in 2017. That's number three. Number two, college football season over, but two-thirds of Americans support college players being allowed to earn money through endorsements, according to a new poll from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. The NCAA mulls new rules about athlete endorsements and name, image, and likeness compensation. The study found the support for the NCAA allowing college athletes to cash in on their names, images, and likenesses, particularly high among young adults, as well as black Americans and Hispanics. The opinions of the public in general are very important because they are reflected in the attitudes of universities who are the ones that actually make the rules, NCAA President Mark Emmert told the Associated Press. And that's number two. Number one, heading into its conference championship weekend, NFL viewership is up, which should affect media rights negotiations. The NFL averaged about 16.5 million viewers per game during the 2019 regular season, up from 15.8 million in 2018, the league's second consecutive annual 5% increase. The rebound in viewership from the previous two years, according to Axios Sports, will give the NFL higher leverage when negotiating new distribution deals with media partners. Currently, the NFL gets about a billion dollars annual from each of the three broadcast networks that air the Sunday games, over a billion from ESPN to air Monday night, and around a billion five from AT&T's DirecTV to distribute Sunday ticket. Among predictions about where NFL rights will land in the future, Sports Business Journal says that global streaming service The Zone comes close to picking up rights to NFL Sunday ticket. Lightshed Partners predicts CBS will lose Sunday afternoon NFL rights to either NBC or ABC given the price increases and that Fox will retain its rights. Most of the NFL's current media deals expire in 2022 or sooner, and experts predict the prices will go up significantly in the next round of deals. And that's clearly number one. Well, the sports world lost a big leader recently, David Stern, dying at 79, 77, excuse me. And part of his situation was taking over a deal with 
tape delayed NBA Finals and turning it into probably one of the biggest sports brands in the world, if not bigger. My relationship with David Stern was involved with Oklahoma City and the Thunder from Seattle when working with them, but more specifically, the NBA. David Stern was a friend and not an advocate until he was won over. Gary Bettman, by the way, the number three guy at the NBA, became the advocate for Miami as part of an expansion process that ultimately led to Minneapolis, Orlando, Charlotte, and Miami. Note that's four. He wanted three franchises to even out the schedule, but Ted Arison, the owner of a Carnival Cruise Lines, walked into David Stern's office. I was involved in that meeting. David Stern said the franchise would cost $32.5 million. Ted Arison basically left, reducing me to small talk with David Stern, and David saying, cut the gratuitous small talk, go find your financier. He came back in a couple minutes and said he was looking for an NBA store that sold expansion franchises across the street. But alas, there is none. Took out a checkbook, extended his hand. $32.5 million later, the Miami Heat was born. Now the average NBA franchise, by the way, worth nearly $2 billion. And SportsPro says that the NBA, Twitter, and Turner Sports have announced a multi-year extension of their partnership that includes an increase of Twitter games. And since joining Twitter in 2009, the NBA built one of the largest Twitter communities in the world. 437 million followers across all league, team, and player platforms. David Stern would clearly have been proud. In that honor, in that context, want to play an interview that we did with David Stern a few years ago, giving perspective on what he thought about sports leadership, the NBA, international growth, and the like. Here's David Stern. David Stern has never seen a glass that wasn't half full. So it's not surprising that he gave upbeat answers to Al Hunt's tough questions on this week's political capital. On the subject of punishment for cheap shots and flagrant fouls, the commissioner insisted he did not go easy on Meta World Peace. Actually, I think the recent incident demonstrates how much we have squeezed violence out of the NBA. When we deal with errant acts, in the case of the gentleman formerly known as Ron Artest, he was a repeat offender, and we dealt uh, harshly, I think, with a seven-game suspension. Last year, over half your teams lost money. With the new contract and this year, do you have any estimate yet of how many teams will be in the black this year? This year, we'll probably have about 10 teams losing money. And next year, I hope that the number will be down to under five. And then I, after that, I would expect that all of our teams will have the opportunity to make money. Uh, Mr. Commissioner, I know you run the NBA. You are not responsible for what happens with the uh, Players Union, but there now is a federal investigation of the Players Union. Does that have the potential to hurt all of professional basketball? I don't think so. I'm a, I'm a lawyer by trade, and uh, I think that the appropriate thing to do is to accord people the benefit of the doubt uh, and see what due process ultimately yields. Mm -hmm. If I had a nickel for every federal investigation that went no place and throw in some state ones as well, uh, I could afford to move to Washington. They Clearly words to live by as we mull the most effective commissioner in the history of sports 
David Stern, obviously, at the top of that list. The Sports Tech Minute. The WWE made $13 million off YouTube's advertising revenue in 2009. WWE's YouTube channel, larger than those of the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and the NHL, combined 52.8 million subscribers. WWE uploaded a staggering average of 510 videos per month with content ranging from full matches to behind-the-scenes clips. Had them outpacing their sports league counterparts by hundreds of videos a month. Further, no off-season with the WWE, so there's always lots of content. And in 2019, WWE's channel bought a monthly average of 756.4 million views, putting it up in the ranks of the most watched YouTube channels. But WWE is making around a buck 40 per thousand views, a number far below YouTube's reported average CPM of $7.60 due to the fact that the wrestling content is not ad friendly for many sponsors. And even if the WWE only pulls in 13 million, the amount of eyeballs on their content in an era where traditional TV viewership continues to dwindle for all sports may be worth more than AdSense's earnings for the company, obviously. And that's your Tech Minute. Finally, the Power of Sports Minute. Top tennis stars had banded together to aid Australian bushfire relief. CNN talks about Serena Williams, Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Naomi Osaka, Caroline Wozniacki, Nick Kyrgios, and others agreed to play in an exhibition match for Australia's bushfire relief, priced at 54 Australian. So far, 24 people have been killed by the fires in Australia, but Nick Kyrgios kickstarted tennis's fundraising efforts, and soccer stars from around the globe play a Bond bushfire charity match, according to the Sydney Morning Herald. At ANZ Stadium in May, the Professional Footballers Australia used its Footballers Trust to donate $1,000 for every goal scored the A-League and W-League over the weekend of January 11 and 12. Clearly a very important cause, and that's your Sports Power of Sports Minute. Well, a big week in sports this week, and we'd like to extend the memory of David Stern. He will clearly be missed. Join us next week when we continue to keep score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.